I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Did you know that when you stare at your phone, computer, TV, and even the indoor lighting that exists anywhere in your world at night, you're completely trashing your sleep? Why? Because blue light at night ruins your melatonin production. And you need melatonin, it turns out, for a lot more than just sleep. It's also the number one anti-cancer compound that the human body produces. So it's really important to block blue light at night. Now, unfortunately, when you go out into the world, no one else knows that. So everywhere you go is artificially lit at night and everyone else might be willing to pay the consequences. But as a listener to this podcast, you probably don't. That's why I'd love to introduce you to my friends over at Raw Optics who make some very cool looking and very effective blue blocking glasses that block not only the blue light, but even the green light. So you've got to block up to 550 nanometers in order to preserve the melatonin. And these science geeks over there have figured it out and combined that science with a little bit of fashion. You know what I mean? So you can go out and feel confident in your style while also protecting your health. So go to rawoptics.com. That's spelled with an R-A as in sun. Get it? Rawoptics.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 10% off at rawoptics.com. Doing a podcast that focuses much of the time on health, it of course makes sense that I get a lot of questions from people about how to improve their mental performance and function. So everybody wants to know about the new smart drug and the new nootropic and the new fancy thing. And there are some things on the market that work, but there's one thing that's quite old, my friends, that works very well, and that's called lion's mane mushrooms. And my friends over at foursigmatic.com have created not only one of the most potent and legit lion's mane mushroom products, but also one that tastes really good and is really easy to use. Now, they've also snuck a couple other things in there to help its effectiveness, such as organic peppermint, rose hips, rhodiola root, and even a hint of stevia. Now, this one is going to knock your socks off. So if you want brain and nervous system support, if you want an all-natural cognitive enhancer, This stuff's been scientifically proven to boost your memory and concentration. So you can use this when you're doing things like recording a podcast intro or promo, such as I'm doing now, studying, reading, writing, or just chilling out. Uh, You don't actually have to be using your brain a lot to take lion's mane. It just makes you feel good. It's amazing stuff. So if you want to check this out, what you want to do is this. Get over to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. That's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. If you use the code over there in your cart known as Luke story, you're going to save 15% off your lion's mane elixir. So that's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. Save 15% with the code Luke story. Two turntables and a microphone. Actually just the microphone. I don't have any turntables. I wish I could do a real like whick, whick, whick thing right now, but um, it's just me and my microphone sitting in my studio uh, with my dog Cookie on my lap, feeling pretty lit, having a good night, had a great day, worked out, did an ice bath, 
got the sauna heated up, did some ozone treatments on myself, uh, got a lot of work done. It's been a great day. And uh, I realized I'm going to be doing some traveling and I owe my producers a Q&A show. And we've got so many questions for these Q&A shows. I, I mean, I think I could do six months worth of these right now just by going into the Facebook group and seeing what people want to know about. And uh, just for your information, that's where all of these questions come from. So it goes without saying that if you'd like to have some of your questions answered on a Q&A show, post them to the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. And the great thing about the group is that you won't only have the opportunity of having me do a podcast about you and your amazing question, but you'll probably get even better answers than I can provide in written form, at least, from the other members of the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. There are some extremely experienced biohackers in there, some thought leaders, some spiritual seekers. It's a very cool community. At the time of this recording, I think there's around 4,500 people in there. So chances are, if you join the group and ask a question, someone's going to give you a great answer. Um, I'm always learning from the listeners as they post in there. Sometimes I'm embarrassed, in fact, because I'll, I'll log in there to answer questions. I'm like, oh, well, they already got it. There's nothing to do. But uh, I do like to answer questions on the show. Now, unfortunately, I know some of you are not on Facebook because people try to DM me for like private free coaching on Instagram, which is flattering. But honestly, who has time to answer all those messages? Because I don't do coaching in that capacity. Uh, so I always tell people I have like a cut and paste little statement because I, I want to answer every message. I'm like committed to doing that until I can't anymore. And it says, hey, thank you so much for the question. Join the Facebook group. And then people sometimes get pissed at me when I do that on Instagram. And they're like, oh, I don't use Facebook, whatever. And I'm like, listen, I don't like Facebook either, but it's kind of a necessary platform in this day and age. In fact, I think Facebook is quite dark and corrupt, to be quite honest. Now, if anyone from Facebook is listening, don't tell your boss I just said that. But honestly, y'all are tripping on a serious power trip. But, you know, when in Rome, right? So uh, hopefully my little Facebook group doesn't get censored you know, because we're giving alternative health advice. We don't use the V word in there. No, not that V word, you dirty bastards. The V word that has to do with injecting small people. Because if you talk about that on Facebook, uh, you get in big, big trouble because we're not allowed to ask questions or have any sort of autonomy or even moral authority for our own lives and the lives of our family. We can't even ask the question about the Vs. So I'll just have to do a podcast about it and hope that Apple and iTunes don't kick me off for doing so. It's a scary time we live in. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the recent episode I did with Dr. Kelly Brogan, all about big tech censorship. Well, it was about a lot of things, but that was kind of the main theme of the show. So anyway... Back to the point, I get it if you don't use Facebook, but if you want to ask questions, that's the place to do it. And it's a really fun community on there. Just ignore the rest of Facebook and just join the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. Make up like a dumb little profile in two seconds that just has like a picture of a donkey on it and um, in your name and ask to join the group and we'll let you in. Uh, let's see, what was I going to say? Oh, here's the deal. I'm not a doctor. I am not a healthcare professional. This is not medical advice. For God's sakes, I didn't even graduate high school. I mean, straight up, 
October 29th, 1988 was the day I turned 18. Guess what was the last day of school for a Luke story? Peace. I'm out. I hated school. <laughs> Still do, I think. So uh, I'm my own school. You know, I, I, I learn on my own, maybe perhaps best. So I've learned a lot in my 22 plus years of spiritual pursuit and all things alternative health and biohacking. And what I'm going to share in terms of my answers are just some of the things that I've found. So, you know, don't take this as medical advice. Don't try to sue me later because you jumped in an ice bath and hit your head or some shit. Be careful, kids. You know what I'm saying? Follow your heart, follow your gut. Your intuition knows what's right for you. Like personally, I like going out and getting a lot of sun on as much of my body as naked as possible as often as possible. I don't get burned. I feel good. Skin's looking good, feeling good. Vitamin D is up. Testosterone's up. That works for me. But if you're a ginger that just got off the boat from Ireland, I don't recommend that you go out and sit in LA sun for two hours like I sometimes do. Well, I don't know if I do it for two hours, but you know what I mean? You get the point. So, you know, be your own guru, be your own inner guide. I'm just kind of pointing out some signposts as we both traverse this trail to health and happiness together. I'm by your side. I'm learning as I go. And it's likely that I'll listen to some of the, well, I probably won't listen. It's actually very unlikely I'll listen to this at any point in my life. <laughs> but if I were to go back and listen to this Q&A episode in a year or so, I'd probably be going, don't, don't, Luke, God, really? That's what you thought at that time? Because I'm always refining my body of knowledge based on new information and new experience. So while I'm not um, anything but self-educated uh, in this capacity to answer questions, I have interviewed 250 or so brilliant people with all sorts of degrees, pedigrees, books, etc. And so a lot of my answers come from just the guests that I've learned from. So I wouldn't say that what you're about to hear is invalid by any stretch, but I just, you know, have to kind of give the legal disclaimer that, um, you know, this is the, in many cases, the half blind leading the totally blind. That's how the world works in the information age. So uh, again, if you want to ask some questions to be answered on the show, join the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the first question. And by the way, I love doing these shows. It's something I've been wanting to do for three years. And it's just like, I don't know, I had some kind of mental block of sitting down by myself behind a microphone. When I do the intros and the outros for the regular Tuesday episodes, like I can't stand doing that part. It's so hard. You should see me in my studio here. Like I get super pissed. I swear at the air and have little temper tantrums. It's super frustrating trying to read copy and, and do all that. It's way easy to have a conversation with someone, but then I have to do all the admin stuff to you know, make the episode actually releasable. The uh, post-production work, as we say. Um, so I didn't want to do these solo shows. A lot of people have asked me for them over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, 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 someday I'll do it. And then I finally sat down and made a manuscript by going into the Facebook group and, and gleaning all of these amazing, really sometimes quite brilliant questions, very sophisticated questions, and then made a giant Evernote and a manuscript. And, and I did one of these so far. This will be number two. And it was so much fun because on my show, when I'm interviewing people, I'm always you know doing my best to shut up and like let the guests talk, you know, not to be self-deprecating, but... I sometimes get excited and notice that I might, you know, use up a bit too much of the air in the room. I'm sort of a, you know, extroverted uh, alpha male type personality. 
And especially when I get excited and passionate, I'm having fun talking to someone. So I always have to kind of like button my lip. And I'm just, I'm saying to myself often during the interviews, like, Luke, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Wait until they're done. Wait until they're done and just listen to them. You know, I'm learning how to become a good listener, being a podcast host. But when I did my first solo show, I was like, oh shit, this is fun. Cause I get to riff on some stuff and I love the listeners and I love the people in the group. And I mean, when I say I love them, I was like, yo, I love you, bro. I mean, I really love you guys. Um, from the bottom of my heart, because without people listening to the show, there would be no show and I would have no fun career that's kind of blossomed as a result, at least at first, of having this podcast. So anyway, I love doing these. I'm going to do tons more. Uh, If you want me to do more, then I don't know, share it with a friend, send me an email, join the group, let me know you're feeling it and I'll keep cranking it out. All right, on to the questions. First one is from Alan. He says, who have been the most, or he says, no, who has been the most influential guest uh, you've interviewed and what impact have they had on your life? And I could not narrow it down because although the show is relatively narrow in focus, I mean, it's pretty much either about psychology, personal development, um, you know, the inner work, meditation, all that. Or it's about biohacking and being physically fit and all that crap. So I would have to pick one person, which would be impossible because there's so many different categories of self-healing that I've covered. So I'm going to break them down according to kind of the different, um, the different areas of life that I've worked on and, and who I've really benefited from talking to. And oftentimes people ask me, not necessarily like, who's the most influential guest and how they changed my life, but who's your favorite guest? And most of the time, it's the most recent one because that's the one that I'm excited about and the one that's freshest in my memory. But also, sometimes my favorite guest is just based on the vibe in the room and how fun it was to have the conversation and just how energized I was by it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that translated into what I feel was like the best episode of the podcast. Um, So oftentimes when people say, what was your favorite episode? I think back like, oh, who was a really cool and fun person to talk to? And the ones that I'm about to give you right now, we're definitely in that category. But um, it's a great question because I don't really think about in terms of, you know, best, most, who wins the trophy. It's like everyone has their own unique gift. Sometimes I interview someone that's super left brain scientist, geek that I don't relate to at all because they're just so analytical and I'm not. I'm more of your artistic, free-spirited type. But some of those people are the most fun interviews because they're it's just like interviewing someone from another planet you know, to sit down with a PhD scientist or something and then and then have the task and the enjoyable, fulfilling challenge of translating their geeky way of talking about something to listeners like me that just want to get the basic gist of it in common parlance. If that's the word, you know, everyday language. And likewise, sometimes I interview super new agey out there trippers that are, you know, of the spiritual teacher nature. And uh, likewise, I have to take their esoteric teachings and bring it down to earth for the people who are a little more moderate and middle of the road and not so far out. So that is to say, Alan, who asked the question, I love all the guests. So let's get into the ones that I think not only are my favorites, but the most influential. So the first one would be John Gray. And um, John Gray is someone that I, I think I saw him speak at a conference a few years ago. And 
I got from his talk that he was the guy that wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And I sort of remembered that from the 90s. It's like, that's the book your parents had to try and work on their relationship. It was like a book for old people that needed to work on their relationship because, of course, in the 90s, I was in my 20s and I needed to work on any relationships. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I had to work on how to not get into them and just have fun and be rock and roll in Hollywood. So I, I I didn't really know that John Gray was relevant, you know, to be honest at the time. But then I heard him speak at this event and I was like, holy shit, this guy has it on lock. He has got this thing sorted out. And the reason he has it sorted out is because A, he's been doing it for 30 years or something. B, he really understands the fundamental differences between the male and female brain and the male and female hormones. And he also speaks in terms of just energy, you know, masculine and feminine energy, not to the degree that someone like John Wineland does, which is more of the David Data relationship work, which is completely based on energy. But John has a lot of science just in the fundamental ways that we communicate and really the way our brains and our endocrine systems work. And that would be true of straight and gay and whatever kind of relationships people get into. You know, I'm I haven't particularly asked John about it, but um, because I'm aware that there are a lot of different relationship dynamics, not just heterosexual male-female ones, I think that John's work applies universally because it applies to male and female brains. And everyone has one of those too, uh, regardless of what other body parts they've worked out. You know, uh, And I guess you can change your hormones, but your brain is your brain, right? It's the one you're born with. And so that's his work. And, uh, I mean, I've applied so much stuff that he's taught me, uh, through his books and through hearing him speak multiple times and especially in the deep dive conversations I've had. So had with him. So at the time of this recording, I will, I would have done two episodes, maybe a year apart in the first three years. And then I have another one coming out after this. I don't have the date right in front of me, but, uh, it'll be, you know, in the next month or so, I think. And we did like two and a half hours just about the history of his days as a yogi. So not only is John someone that I've learned so much about relationships from, but he's someone I've learned so much just about consciousness and meditation and higher states of being in relationship to oneself and relationship to other. So he's just such an incredible guy. He's sort of my podcast mentor, you know, like if I could have a coach, he'd be my coach. I'm, I'm working on it. Maybe I just interview him once a month. I can, I can sneak in like private coaching with him and just tell him it's for the podcast, <laughs> which oftentimes, to be honest, is sort of what it's like when you interview people, at least when I do, because I get so much out of it personally that it's like, I feel kind of like, am I cheating the system here? Like, am I supposed to be benefiting and learning so much? I guess I am. So I'm, I'm working for it. And I suppose if somebody agrees to do the show, um, you know, my hard work is paid off to the point where they're willing to do so. John was super cool, by the way, about being on the show when this show was, I don't, had like five people listening to it. And I think he just, you know, took a liking to me for some reason and agreed to do it. Uh, and now it's just been so gracious. But his work on relationships is just so valuable because it's so much based on biology, which is just science. Uh, but it's done with a sense of humor and it's very applicable. So like a great John Gray teaching, for example, and again, this would go back to just the way 
male and female brains process and communicate information. And I think my dad probably taught me this at some point too, because he's an older and wiser man than I. But if I would say in a relationship with a woman and we were having some conflict uh, because they didn't think I was listening to them or didn't value what they had to say. And the dynamic would be something like this. Uh, girlfriend comes home from work and you know had a rough day and starts telling me about her day and every minute detail of that day down to like, you know, what salad dressing she put on her salad at lunch and, you know, all of that. And I'm, I mean, I'm joking, but oftentimes it is the way the feminine relays information, whereas generally speaking, the male brain or the masculine just kind of works in broad strokes and gets to the point, you know. So let's just go back to this imaginary scenario that John's work would have totally saved my ass in and made me a better man in so many ways. Girlfriend comes home from work and wants to, you know, uh, express her disappointment or just, you know, voice her experience during the day that was challenging for her and wants to do it in great detail. The tendency of a guy like me and most guys I know is to listen for the problem. So girlfriend's telling me the story. Okay, so this person said this, then they did this, da, 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 telling me the story. And like in my brain, the first thing that happens automatically is like, okay, she's giving me a problem. I need to solve the problem. So I'll interrupt her and go, well, no, you should just tell your boss to da, da, you know, like that whole thing. She's like, shut up. You're not listening to me. That whole dynamic of if you really want to be a compassionate, loving, caring partner, in the dynamic of relationship I'm describing. So me as hetero guy with hetero girl. Um, and again, I think, you know, this applies to all sorts of different couples, depending on what the energetic dynamics are. But the move there to really provide the most support and to be the most loving and kind partner is to just shut up and listen and, you know, give body language indicators that you are in fact listening and not just sitting there thinking about something else. Uh, and don't give advice, try to fix the problem unless the partner asks. So, okay, so that's the end of my story. What should I do? Or what do you think? Then that's a point when I could jump in and, um, offer some support based on, you know, whatever it is that I hear. So that's, that's just one example of thousands of tools from John where he teaches men, like you really have to be the vessel, the carrier that, is able to hold space and really listen compassionately. And that's the most loving thing you can do. And that if you fall for the temptation of prematurely trying to fix your partner's problems, then the way that they're going to likely experience that is that you don't care about their problem and that you're not listening and that their feelings aren't being cherished and that you don't find their experience that day to be valid or important. And so a lot of issues in relationships come up just as a result of a lack of understanding communication styles. Now me as a guy, and this is what John would would convey for sure and support, when I come home and I'm stressed out, nothing stresses me out more than talking about the shit that I'm stressed out about. So if I walked in and I had a hard day, the very last thing I want to do in the world is talk about my problems. I want to zone out on my phone. I want to play guitar. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just need to go into my cave process some shit and then I can come out. I mean, you know, proverbial cave, or in my case, I do have like a proper man cave in the backyard with the sauna and, you know, things that I go do to relax, the biocharger, amp coil, all these fun toys, and I'll go meditate, do my thing. 
then I can maybe talk about what happened that day if someone's curious. And that, again, is a great teaching from John. Just the way we process our life experience and then the way we communicate that is often different in terms of its timing and duration and what we want in terms of the other party's participation or lack thereof. So like for me, I don't want to talk about if I'm stressed out. I just want my partner to say, oh man, that's rough. I hear you. Well, let me know what you need, which is usually not to talk about it more. It's like, could you rub my shoulders or make me a sandwich, you know, or whatever. Uh, I don't need to talk about my problems. That doesn't make them better, um, at least in the moment, but maybe later. All right, on to the next guest. So we love John Gray. Uh, Next guest would be Lacey Phillips. And she's just one of my favorites in general. And at the time of this recording, her last episode on... Uh, manifestation and money is my number one download of all time, which is so interesting. You know, I always find it fascinating what episodes go to the top of my charts. And of course, I, those aren't usually shared. It's just you log into your host uh, that puts, you know, the, the file out and you get to see which one's been downloaded the most and you can arrange them in a hierarchy to look at them in different ways. And she's been number one for quite a while. And she's not the most famous person that I've had on. I mean, she has a big following and now she has a podcast that's really popular called, I think it's called The Expanded Podcast. Yeah, I was on it. I should know. Lacey, if you hear this, I'm sorry. I think that's it though. She's changed the name of her brand a few times. All right, give me a break. Uh, But anywho, she's got a big following, but I mean, I've interviewed Dave Asprey, founder of Bulletproof and a lot of other big people um, that, you know, are famous within their field, right? And they're not even close to the top 10. So it's so funny. I think that the number of downloads episodes get is really based on the depth and quality of the conversation and the dynamic that I'm able to achieve with the guest. So I always find that interesting. But Lacey is one of my most popular and also just one of the most enjoyable people to sit down and talk to. She's just so fun and positive and smart and awesome that I just have a great time speaking to her. But during the one that we did most recently on manifestation and making cold, hard cash and not giving any Fs about doing so, she really changed my thinking around the law of attraction and manifestation in the sense that tools like, you know, the Abraham Hicks model or like the movie um, and book, The Secret, and these things where you, even back to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, where you visualize uh, what you want to have in your life and visualize it with energy and with emotion and enthusiasm and really looking at that thing that you want as if it's already happened, you know, evoking the sense of satisfaction or happiness if you got that house or that job or you were able to start that charity or whatever your jam is you're trying to achieve. And so this is where, you know, vision boards and things like that come into play. And I'm a believer in vision boards because I've been making them for years and it's crazy how fast I have to remake them because the stuff happens. And it happens to the degree with which I'm committed to making it a part of my schedule. So now I don't make a vision board and make a vision book. And so that's, you know, just because it's easier to keep by your bed and throw in your suitcase if you travel and stuff like that. But the more I do it, the more this stuff comes true. And sometimes it's um, just, I want a relationship or something that's not material at all, but just um, a sense of inner accomplishment 
shall we say, something like that. So that's kind of the older manifestation model is just wishing, dreaming, hoping about something. But where Lacey really schooled me in that episode was that you can do all that stuff, but it's not going to arrive in a really substantial way if you still have subconscious inherent beliefs that you don't deserve it. And that's a really harsh reality, I think, for all of us to face. And it definitely is for me. I mean, if I write down on my vision book that I want to make, I think right now my goal is like one point, well, maybe 1.3 million a year. I feel like that would be a good number. Of course, anyone that's wealthy will tell you they had a number. And when they got there, they were like, oh my God, that's too small of a number. Let's keep going. But I don't know. I think net income of around a hundred grand a month, I'd be able to do my thing, be pretty stoked. But when I look at that in my vision book, oftentimes there's this little voice or a number of voices in the background that are like, dude, who are you kidding? That's for smart people. Or that's for people that have, you know, come from old money and they just get how it all works. Or that's people that understand the stock market or whatever bullshit voice comes up. And if it's not a voice, perhaps sometimes it's just a sensed feeling that I don't deserve to have that. And that could be true of, you know, um, a milestone with my brand or my company or a relationship, a certain type of relationship that I want to manifest in my life, a friendship or romantic relationship, et cetera, even improving an existing relationship with a family member, whatever it could be. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I don't deserve a million dollars. It's just, it's kind of that feeling inside that's like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. That would be great. But who am I kidding? And so Lacey's work is about getting into the subconscious mind and really undoing not false beliefs or limiting beliefs because that's kind of just the, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's like the limiting sense of who you are. So it really gets down to the scary stuff is (laughs) when you're looking at your self-worth or lack thereof and sense of deserving success and just being worthy as a human being on the planet. And so having conversations with her and also looking at subconscious blocks, say in this particular case, to wealth would be ideas that I picked up when I was a kid, like rich people are assholes. Or even later in life, when I started really getting serious about my spiritual pursuits, that if you're spiritual, then you shouldn't have a lot of money. And if you do, then you're not a true spiritual seeker or teacher for that matter, which I kind of am in some ways. And so, uh, well, not in some ways, I am sometimes, <laughs> depending on what I'm talking about. Uh, it's we- it's kind of a weird thing to think, call yourself a spiritual teacher. So I don't think I would ever do that, but I do teach things of the spiritual nature, I guess you could say at times, metaphysics, etc. But, you know, the inner blocks are those beliefs that we have. And that's what I'm really getting from Lacey's work. So if I'm a spiritual person, then... And I want to share that information with people that it's wrong to get money for it, right? I mean, some of you might even be listening going, well, yeah, you, I mean, what? But then you think about, you know, well, if say you're a meditation teacher, like my teacher, Jeff Kober, if he doesn't get paid to teach people to meditate, how's he going to keep doing that? I mean, what was he supposed to do? Just live outside in a tent, um, you know, in the behind Home Depot or whatever. And then people come by, like, it doesn't work. It, it's, it's not a sustainable model. So 
those ideas have to be first discovered and then discarded. But how do you discard something in your subconscious mind? Because your conscious mind is about 7% of what drives you. And the rest of it's your subconscious mind or something like that. According to Bruce Lipton, I think those were the basic numbers. So you can have the will to get something out of your subconscious mind because it's a, you know, a limiting, not just a limiting belief, but it's a limiting sense of who you are or aren't. Um, that takes extra help. And there's all sorts of things like hypnosis and EMDR and all kinds of crazy stuff you can do. And I'm going to be talking about that in another question that someone asked. So I won't go too deep into reprogramming, but that's Lacey's work. That's the work that, that really floored me um, about, you know, her perspective on that whole thing. She has a very fresh way to look at it. And I think it was like the day after I interviewed her the last time, I got some random commission check or something for $4,000 or something crazy. I mean, you know, one could say, well, that check was already in the mail before she came over that day. So it's not like her information manifested that per se, but it definitely was um, an affirmation of that work and getting into a prosperity consciousness and removing the blocks. So shout out to homegirl Lacey Phillips and she walks the walk. I mean, if you follow her on Instagram too, you're like, oh shit, homegirl just bought another house. Like she's crushing it. So whatever she's doing works. And if it's good for the goose, my friends, it's good for the gander. On to my next favorite guest, a very controversial guy in the world of uh, health. And that's Dr. Jack Cruz. And I'd have to say for all things biohacking, he's really the guy because he's, Jack Cruz is kind of like, <laughs> I can't even, I don't know if this could come out right. He's like the Donald Trump of the health industry, meaning that he just does not give a fuck about what anyone thinks. I don't mean like politically. It's just that his teachings go so far against so many of the leaders in the health space, especially the ones that sell a lot of supplements, which he's always against. And he's kind of the black sheep and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't care that a lot of people in the scene don't agree with him. And that's why I say he's the Donald Trump of the health scene. I might've even told him that. And he was like, sure. But it's like in the sense that he calls out bullshit and he also just does not care. And he's got a way about him that's just like my way is the only way and that's the way it is. And so some people, I think, find that off-putting. However, in most cases, he also has the science to back it up. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, so I wouldn't say that I think every single thing Jack Cruz ever said is true or valid. Just like you could say that of John Gray, Lacey Phillips, anyone in the world, because we're all fallible humans. You know, just we're just like hairless apes running around trying to figure this shit out. So I don't really put anyone on a pedestal. But um, when he talks about the fundamental relationship of our biology to nature, light, water, and magnetism, that's just so common sense and hits me so hard in the gut that I can't deny it. In other words, things like blue light, EMFs, I mean, obviously eating toxic food and all that is a no-no, but I think most people that listen to this podcast like know about aspartame, MSG, canola oil, like you know about the gnarly shit, right? But Jack's talking about kind of eat whatever. And if you're sitting under blue LEDs all night or in your office or you're working swing shifts and your circadian rhythm is jacked up, like you are going to get a disease eventually. And that's not scare tactics. It's just 
common sense. And it's just the way biology works. Systems break down. The way I look at it is more from a Daniel Vitalis perspective who, God, he should really be one of the ones that had the most impact on my life too, because he has. I'll, I'll make it a tie for Jack Cruz and Daniel, but um, Daniel talks about rewilding and the way he frames the human experience and degenerative diseases and why we have the need for hospitals and surgery and drugs is because human beings have domesticated themselves and we live like zoo animals. We really are apes, right? And we put ourselves in these cages and we eat cage food and we have cage lighting and cage water. And eventually, just like every animal that's taken out of their native habitat and put into a zoo, we get sick. And then we have to be propped up by drugs and surgery in order to extend our lives. And so when you look at human beings as entities that have come out of nature and then moved into towns and cities and settlements and become, quote, end quote, civilized, uh, that's where we went wrong. And so Jack's work is about how can we still live in the world, yet mitigate some of the harm that's been brought about by our own self-inflicted domestication. So how do we take ourselves out of the zoo? Ways that I do that are wearing blue blocking glasses, changing all the lighting in my house, doing everything I can to mitigate EMF, um, working with magnets. I have I sleep on magnets. I've been sleeping on them for over 10 years. I use magnetic therapies. I use the energies of the earth that are sometimes from the earth and forest bathing and that kind of thing. And sometimes they're devices, oftentimes very expensive, elaborate devices that mimic some of the forces of nature and the cosmos uh, for health benefits. And many of those things Jack doesn't like, by the way. It's like PEMF and all kinds of stuff. I'll post it in the Facebook group. He's like, that's bullshit. That's bad for you. I don't know. But uh, I've learned so much about health in general from Jack Cruz. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. If you are a discerning health enthusiast like myself and you want the best of the best, chances are that you've probably sat there and scratched your head at the health food store trying to figure out which CBD product to buy, right? I mean, this has happened to me on multiple occasions. They all make these claims. It does this, it does that, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone says they're the best. Who is actually the best? What actually works? Well, I found something recently that I'm super stoked about. It's called Onda. Now, Onda offers a patented, truly full-spectrum line of products and bulk oil, actually, that's not dependent on the use of alcohol, CO2, or other solvents for extraction. And their CBD is organically grown and produced in the USA. Now, here's the thing. When you take a plant that has medicinal qualities like the hemp or the cannabis plant, right, and you start stripping away all of the turbines and all of the cofactors that make it really a holistic, natural medicine, you end up with something close to a pharmaceutical, right? Now, some pharmaceuticals are great um, in a pinch when everything else has failed. But when it comes to a natural product like CBD oil, you really want the full spectrum of the plant and you don't want a bunch of junk in there when they got the extraction done, right? In other words, when they get the medicine out of the plant, you don't want to be adding poisons to it. So that's why I'm super stoked on Onda. I've been using it for a couple months and I got to tell you, um, I don't have time to go into the benefits and there's legalities, but uh, this product has been amazing for sleep, anxiety, stress. I'm super into it. How you can get your hands on some is as follows. Go to OndaWellness.com. That's O-N-D-A, OndaWellness.com. And what's really exciting is that if you use the code LUKE15, 
you'll save 15% off. That's Owned a Wellness, and the discount code is Luke15. Go get your CBD on. And now, back to the interview. Okay, on to the next one. Mastin Kip. Mastin is a guy that I had seen, you know, here and there on social media. I watched a couple of his videos and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. Like, he's a different approach. He's not unlike a Tony Robbins in that he's a general kind of self-help, personal development uh, type of teacher. And I wasn't all that familiar with his work, but I knew that he had a really big following and um, started to check him out a bit and found out that really his work is not dissimilar to Lacey Phillips in, in a sense, because his work's all about trauma that we've experienced. And most of that trauma is generally taking place in childhood. Although people, you know, often have lives that are punctuated by traumatic experiences like car crashes, divorces, death in a family, et cetera, uh, fatal, you know, near fatal illnesses, these kind of things. But um, from his perspective, uh, like Lacey's and even like Bruce Lipton's, who was another one of my favorites who didn't make this list for various reasons, because I only had room for one and cheated it into five. Uh, but Mastin really believes that the trauma that takes place, uh, especially early in life, shapes our subconscious. And then that subconscious is what drives our behavior for the rest of our lives. So we can run around and try to not be an asshole, to try to not be addicted to things, to be compulsive, to be obsessive. Uh, we can try to improve ourselves, but until the trauma is really addressed and healed, we're going to be chasing our own tail. And so the work he does is called trauma-informed, which I don't know if that's a term that he came up with, but it's everything that he teaches is from the standpoint, or almost everything from the standpoint of the basis of this is in trauma. So let's just go to the trauma and nip it in the bud and start there in the subconscious and then work our way out rather than kind of working on surface stuff and going deeper and deeper as the years go on. So that conversation with him was a couple hours and it was in my, it was in my old studio. And it was one of those ones where in the moment I was like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. This is going to be a super dope episode. And then also one that I listened back to, I was like, oh my God, I learned so much. Cause it was also I think a very personal conversation. Sometimes when I sit down with someone, the dynamic of it is not, oh, I wonder what the guests want to hear. It's more like, hmm, this person knows some shit. What do I want to learn from them? Or in this case, what work do I want to do? And I just do some work right on the podcast, right in front of everyone. Um, call me selfish, call me smart, but people love the episodes where they're super real and authentic. And I and the guest oftentimes are very vulnerable and the podcast has the sense that no one's listening. It's like me and an expert sitting down working out some shit and people really respond to those. And those are so fun to do because they're so spontaneous and real and honest. And I think that in the world in which we live today, there's not a lot out there with the exception of you know, personal interactions, but in terms of media, podcasts, maybe some YouTube channels, YouTube videos, some posts on social media are real and honest, but you're not going to find that on the mainstream media. Like if I had a TV show on NBC and Mastin Kip came on for a segment, we wouldn't be able to do shit because the powers that be would be controlling the whole experience, right? It would be a very sterile simulation 
of um, someone sharing their knowledge. But in the case of Mastin Kip and so many other people that I've had the opportunity and privilege to sit down with, we're doing deep work and the mics happen to be on. And so Mastin Kip is amazing for that reason. And then finally, for Alan, uh, the last one would be, because this is just like a lifelong dream, and that would be Byron Katie. I started going to see her, man, back, God, I don't even know if I was sober. I think I was in my mid-20s. And I remember going to one of her uh, conferences, or like, and it's like a workshop where she does the work, Byron Katie, the work. Uh, you can go to thework.com, by the way, and learn all about her. But I remember going in that room and not really understanding what was happening, but I did have the sense that there was truth taking place. So people would get up and present their problems to her and she would do what's called the work with them, which is a series of questions, questions based in self-inquiry, kind of a personal inventory of sorts. And so you have a problem, this person was a dick to me and she'll say, is that true? And you go, yeah, is it really true? Et cetera. I'm not going to go through the whole Byron Katie four questions and the turnaround thing that she does, you can look it up. But she's one of the first humans that I saw piercing the veil of the matrix, the veil of the mind, the Maya of ego, and teaching people in a very simple way how to do that for themselves. And so here you have someone that I, I like I see her as an enlightened master, but she would never ever have that because she would just go, is that true? You go, well, yeah, you know stuff. Well, can you really know that that's true? I mean, she'll do the thing on herself, right? So humility is also one of the touchstones of talent and brilliance and wisdom. Because if someone has true wisdom, they're humble enough to know that their gifts aren't originating um, in and of themselves, right? That they're gifts. And so Byron Katie is just amazing. You call her Katie, which is an interesting name. When people interview her and they call her Byron, I'm always cringing, but she doesn't care because <laughs> she's awakened. Uh, but Byron Katie has been one of my best teachers, not only in the podcast, but just in my life, because most of my problems have been, continued to be, and I've no doubt, uh, no doubt believe that they will continue to be centered in my mind. It's not what's happening to me. It's my perception of what's happening. It's my judgments of what's happening. It's my sense of right and wrong, good and bad, duality, black and white. In, in Byron Katie's world, that's not how you sort it out. You look at the mind and you find truth. You're looking for falsehood. You're looking to dispel that falsehood and get down to truth. So she's had such a huge impact on my life. And one of my dreams that, you know what, I need to put this in my vision book actually, is to attend her Byron Katie nine-day school for the work, which she does a couple of different places around the world. Uh, but I think the most accessible for me would be in Ojai, California. So if you're listening, say a little prayer that I can get my butt in there one of these days and really learn how to do the work and unplug from the phantasmagoria known as my mind. Next question comes from Anne. She said, we want to know, or I want to know your thoughts on the carnivore diet. And this is a much shorter answer here because I don't know a lot about the carnivore diet. However, I've got to say, I did try it for a couple of weeks because, you know, I try everything and I felt goddamn amazing. It's just, it became really inconvenient. And for me, I'm not, I'm not a foodie, so I don't care that it's boring. Like what I ate, let me see what I eat today. For lunch, I had 
Well, for breakfast, I had some kind of, you know, biohacker, super smoothie elixir kind of situation. And for lunch, I had a big grass-fed burger. <laughs> and then for dinner, I had a big grass-fed burger. So I basically was on a carnivore diet today. But that's just because I don't like to cook. And it's just, I just want to get as much calories and protein and fat in my body as quickly as possible. But um, I did it for, you know, a couple of weeks there. And I felt freaking amazing. I had tons of energy. It was like not what you'd expect. But then it got inconvenient, um, not because I need variety in taste and texture, but just because, you know, you got to dinner with someone, hey, let's go get Thai food. It's like, well, no, I, I got to eat just the meat they have. It's just weird. That said, my brother Andy's story, who's an artist who's currently, I think he's in Colombia at the moment. Uh, he's been carnivore for maybe a year and I don't know if he's ever going to stop. He's going strong. I mean, he went through a period where it was a little bit hard for him to sleep, probably because he was like hard keto, I'm assuming. Um, and that can really fuck with your sleep. But he got the sleep sorted out, uh, has tons of energy, hasn't been sick once. And he used to get sick a lot. He was super weak sauce immune system. My theory is it had a lot to do with the fact that he was a C-section and he didn't get bathed in the bacteria that needs to... Uh, populate and inoculate your your body and your immune system. Anyway, that's my side theory. But he hasn't been sick, no pain in his joints, like no inflammation anywhere. So it seems to work for him. And it also seems to work for Jordan Peterson, who I love. And um, by the way, if you have any inroads to Jordan Peterson, please let me know. I'd love to have him on the podcast as a side note. Uh, but Jordan Peterson was having all these health problems. I, I think he was arthritic and all kinds of crazy shit. It's been carnivore. All he eats is beef, salt, and water, period. Oh, on that note, actually, I have been in communication with Jordan's daughter, uh, Michaela. I'm not going to ask her to hook up the dad because that's like weird. You just don't do that. That's too Hollywood. I'm actually interested in her perspective because she's a big proponent and expert on the carnivore diet. So we've talked about her coming on the show, which would be super, super fun. So I will have more information on the carnivore diet uh, soon. I, for me, I don't, I don't know that I feel great being in, in ketosis all the time, which is what happens when you just eat fat and protein. Uh, I like to be a bit more cyclical about it. I sleep really well when I have some carbs at night. Uh, my carbs are usually some wild blueberries. And sometimes my body just says, give me some carbs or give me a little honey or something like that. And, um, you know, give me a little honey. No, the real honey, the beekeepers naturals honey that I have a cabinet full of because <laughs> I eat it very slowly. Uh, but I just, I don't think I could do the carnivore diet because it just, it doesn't feel balanced. It feels just a little bit hardcore. Uh, and I'm a hardcore guy and I try some weird ass shit. I mean, I used to drink my own urine back in the day. So that's a whole other conversation. Look up Ayurveda, Gandhi. Uh, it's called auto urine therapy. It's a thing. It wasn't like a gross thing. Well, I guess you might think it is. But anyway, pee is actually sterile. It's not gross. Now, eating your own dookie, that would be a problem. Your own pee, eh, doesn't taste great. But if it's going to give you a robust immune system or whatever it's supposed to do, I was willing to give it a shot. So I'm a hardcore guy. But um, the carnivore thing is just like, I don't know, man. It just, it seems like every once in a while you should eat a carb or a vegetable or something. And uh, that's where I, that's where I'm at with it. But we'll get Michaela on the show here soon and um, she'll break it down for us. All right. Next question is, 
Has anyone worked with Frank Schallenberger in Carson City, Nevada? Any insights on his work or expertise? Uh, Frank Schallenberger is a brilliant doctor. I've listened to him on quite a few podcasts. I've been aware of his work for quite some time. I saw him speak at the Bulletproof Upgrade Labs conference in Beverly Hills this year. And he does a lot, he does a lot of different things. He does a lot of work around mitochondrial function. But what he's most known for is his work with ozone. And I think ozone is amazing stuff. I think that it has so much potential in terms of alternative therapies to treat different diseases, disorders, etc. Uh, ozone, for those of you that don't know, is what you smell in the atmosphere after it rains, you know, when the air smells really nice and clean. That's ozone. And so you've heard, I'm sure, about the ozone layer around the planet and all this. Um, well, ozone can be manufactured as a gas by basically electrifying pure oxygen. And then this ozone can be delivered into the body and it can be done a number of different ways. And uh, Frank Schallenberger is someone that's done this with a lot of people and is extremely knowledgeable on the history of ozone use for health benefits, and also just the deep science on how it works. And it's something I'm a huge believer in. I've used it. I've done ozone injections, just a needle right into my vein, which is not very safe from what I hear. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> but I took one for the team, you guys. So don't do that. Um, I've also done a lot of what's called a 10-pass ozone IV, uh, which is where you take all the blood out of your body for a couple hours and put it in a little... Um, you know, what do they call it? Well, it goes out of your body up into a little bottle and then the ozone's injected into the blood in that bottle and it goes back in. So it's basically like, it's not a blood transfusion because you're not taking your blood out and putting someone else's blood in per se. It's just cleaning all of your blood. And I had that done uh, multiple times at a place called Advanced BioCell in West LA. So if you want to look that up, something you're interested in doing, Advanced BioCell, talk to Bill. He's a great guy and uh, they have a very legit German machine. It's $150,000 or something. They have a nurse. I mean, it's it's not like you're in a hippie's garage. Like, yeah, let's do some ozone, bro. This is a super legit. Um, not incredibly inexpensive, but if you want to do 10 pass ozone IV, he would be the guy. As far as Schallenberger, that's, that's the guy you want to study to learn about it. And I will track him down soon, I promise, and get him on the podcast, hopefully. And we'll do a full-on ozone show because it's one of those... You just want to think I've covered everything. I'm like, wait, I have an ozone generator in my bedroom upstairs. And um, I just got it a couple months ago. And I've been doing ozone the safe way, which is delivering the gas with a catheter up the old... Yeah, it's um, it's not pretty, and I hate to even describe it on the show, but uh, what that does in effect is rids your body over the course of a few months of use, depending on the protocol, of uh, all fungal, viral, and bacterial infections. And so this is, um, you know, this is how powerful this stuff is. And so you can take it up the old wazoo. Uh, women can do it in the front spot. And uh, you can also take it in your ears and it kills the fungus in your skull around your brain. And I do that every single day, which is probably why I can do three-hour podcasts without missing a beat. No, uh, the fact is that many humans, if not most humans, and you can hear this from Schallenberger himself, 
uh, are completely filled with fungus and it has to do with vaccines. It has to do with uh, Roundup, pesticides, uh, eating too many carbs, too many sugar, refined foods, the, the bacteria, the fungus, the parasites, all of the hangers on, all these creatures that live in our bodies just get out of control um, when they're in an environment that is easy for them to live in. So they feed on heavy metals, they feed on sugar. It's just craziness. And ozone is very useful to get rid of all that stuff. So again, if you want to do it yourself, go to Advanced BioCell if you're in LA. There's places that do this all over the world. And uh, I'll do a show on it soon and we'll get Frank Schallenberger on here, hopefully to help us with that. Okay, this is going to be a good question here. It's funny, I, I, I do three questions per show and I'm always like, oh shit, this episode will only be 15 minutes. <laughs> and then I get on the mic and uh, here we are at 50 minutes. But this next one's a big topic. So I'm going to do my best to kind of be concise. Sarah says, I can't sleep on my metal coil mattress anymore without tossing and turning over the microwave of EMF conductive frequencies. I'm looking to get fancy bedding free of metal, but until then I'm sleeping on an air mattress. Anyone with similar bedding hacks? So Sarah, uh, you're absolutely right that sleeping on a mattress with metal coils is absolutely goddamn insane. I remember when I was a little kid and we had these janky old televisions. That's when they were big boxes, you know, in the 70s. And if your TV was missing its antenna, you would take uh, coat hangers and kind of bend them around and cut them and then shove those in the TV where the antenna should go and then cover them in tinfoil and you would make an antenna to pick up the RF frequencies, the radio frequencies coming through the air from the dishes or satellites or wherever the, you know, the TV stations were emitting their signals from. When you're sleeping on metal coil mattress, you're sleeping on a giant antenna for EMF. So like that TV that I described, you're sleeping on not only a bunch of metal, but the metals are actually coils, which is the shape that picks up the most EMF. It's like if you wanted to design a flat antenna, you would put a bunch of metal coils in it. It's the best possible way to attract EMF fields. So you're woke, Sarah, in that you're like, wow, I can't sleep. I wonder why. It's because you're sleeping on a homemade uh, microwave basically. And so what I'd like to say about the mattress thing is, God, it's just, it's so confusing and it's also so competitive. There's two industries that have to do with human health that are so just ruthless in their competition and misinformation and infighting between the different companies. And that is the sauna industry. The sauna industry is brutal. They all hate each other. They're all fighting with each other. Everyone says they have the best. They say why all the other ones suck. And the mattress industry is the same way. It's it's more shady though, because there's a lot of mattresses that really suck and they get sold off as healthy and all this kind of stuff. But just know that you're walking into a minefield and I mean, you could have a podcast, I swear to God, that's just about the mattress industry and how to find a healthy bed. You could, you could have a weekly show and never even scratch the surface for five years. So I'm going to give just a real armchair answer to this. I used to be really obsessed with the bed thing. And then it's just like, I got overwhelmed by the options. And when I, when I got into you know, organic bedding and not sleeping on EMF coils, 
I'm going back 20 years ago. I, I learned about this. This would have been, yeah, like late, late nineties, maybe 2000. It was definitely before nine 11. Cause I remember where I was living when that came on TV, uh, back when I used to watch TV, when I thought the news was real, what? <laughs> um, anyway, I slept on what was called uh, an organic latex mattress. And that was rubber that comes from a latex tree. And they pour it into a mold and you lay on it. Now, what I didn't realize at the time was that I totally jacked up my shoulder and my back because that thing was hard as a rock. It, It had no give in it and it was just brutal. So my sleep sucked for years, which was probably worse than sleeping on a mattress sprayed with fire retardants and formaldehyde and you know, non-organic GMO cotton and all the shitty stuff that they make mattresses out of is probably worse to get bad sleep on a hard natural mattress than it was to get good sleep on a semi-toxic off-gassing mattress. So uh, I've been into this for a long time. Now, one of the original brands that came out back in the day that seems to still be doing it right is called Essentia but they're quite expensive. I mean, you're talking, I think the last time I looked, they're, they're good mattress that has kind of the pillow top. that's a little softer, but then underneath is firm, which is what I like a firm mattress with kind of a soft layer. Right. And I think that was like seven grand or something. So it's no joke, but they were one that was around back in the day and are still around. There's also this company called Avocado and they're pretending to be healthy, but they have metal coils. Wah, wah, wah. There's another great company out called Sattva, and I researched them a bit, and they seem legit. It's S-A-A-T-V-A, Sattva. And then there's uh, one called Zen Haven. And my friend has a Zen Haven, and another friend has a Sattva, and they both really like them. And they sent me the links, like, Luke, you're the geek on this shit. Is this okay to buy? I looked at all the specs and stuff and found that it was definitely passable. Now, for me, (laughs) and people ask me this, and they're like, what? I bought a Casper mattress for a thousand bucks a couple of years ago because I was saving up for a $20,000 Samina sleep system, which I'll tell you about in a moment. And I didn't want to like, why go buy a $7,000 Essentia when I know that I want the Samina and it's 20, between 20 and $30,000. So I'm just going to you know get a thousand dollar Casper. I'm going to save up my money and do my thing. However, I got to say, now Casper's not fully organic. I mean, they're made with like, the green environmental stamp of approval. So they're not super gnarly like your average, you know, mattress factory type shit or something like that, but they're not that bad. They're good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? It's whatever. The thing is hella comfortable. I mean, my sleep is awesome on my Casper. So I'm not really motivated to ever get a new mattress because it's comfortable. I know that it's, you know, the materials aren't the healthiest, However, I highly doubt that after three years, it's still off-gassing tons of chemicals. And I do use air purifiers in my room anyway. So, you know, I should be better than this, but I'm not. The Casper's fine. What's important to me about the bed is that I have my Magnetico sleep pads under the mattress. And those are magnetic pads that mimic the natural magnetic field of the earth. So this is not PEMF. This isn't a pulsed magnetic field. This is a static magnetic field that has, I mean, I'm going to do a show on it soon because it's there's so many benefits to your health. It's, it's absolutely insane. The reason I bought the Magnetico sleep pad, uh, this is going back maybe 10 years or so, is I laid on one, I did um, a live blood cell analysis. And then I, 
my blood clot, my blood was all clotting and looking real whack and sticky. I laid on the magnetical pad for 10 minutes, got off, tested my blood again, and my blood looks like a one-year-old baby. Just beautiful. Just moving, grooving, perfect blood. And I was like, give me the thing. And it was, I think it was like a couple thousand dollars. And you put it in between your box spring and your mattress. And again, you're, you're living uh, how we would have lived in antiquity when the magnetic field of the earth was stronger. It's gone down considerably due to solar flares and polar shift that's approaching, etc. The planet goes through its own changes regardless of man and losing the magnetic field, especially in different parts of the planet, is something that happens over the epochs of time. And we're currently in one of those. So I use that magnetico pad to um, bring the magnetic field that would be inherent in nature to my bedroom. So to me, I don't care that much about the mattress. I care about my Magnetico. That's what I would buy. So if I were you, who was it, uh, Sarah? Yeah, get a mattress without coils, but don't spend your money on a really expensive mattress. Go get a Magnetico. And I think I have them on my website. I, I ordered them to be on there to the people that do those kind of geeky things. So hopefully it's on there. But if not, you can find it Magnetico Sleep Pad. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take on that. And then in terms of improving sleep, the chili pad, actually the device I have now is called the Uller. It's also made by chili technology. So chili technology, they've been on the show, uh, their CEO, Todd was on a couple months ago and they make the old school one, which is called the chili pad. And then they make the new model, which is way doper called the Uller. And that's a water filled pad, kind of like an electric blanket, but there's obviously no EMF dumb wires in there. There's just silicone veins of water. And then you set the temperature of the water. It could do, it could do hot water and your bed's nice and toasty. If you live somewhere cold, uh, I live in LA, so I need my bed freezing all the time. And with the Magnetico sleep pad and the chili pad or the Uller, uh, my sleep is dope. And I'm on a, you know, whatever thousand dollar Casper mattress. Now I would like to upgrade the mattress, of course, because I want everything to be next level. But there's just, you know, you got to choose your battles. There's other things that I want to spend ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on. Now, if right now I had taken Lacey Phillips' advice and was just absolutely crushing it uh, financially, I would probably personally invest in a Semina sleep system. If you want to learn about that, go back and listen to episode 16. You can also find a mini documentary, no joke, on the Samina beds that I did on YouTube. It's 45 minutes long and I go through every minute detail of this sleep system and it's the dopest system I've ever seen. I mean, if you want the Rolls Royce of healthy beds, uh, Samina is definitely on top. They're made in Austria and they did not miss a thing. Now, the only thing I would say about Samina and Klaus, the U.S. rep, is going to be pissed at me if he ever hears this, but I don't like the grounding that is on the Samina sleep system for everyone. And that's one of the most expensive parts. They have a, a, it's an amazing grounding system because it really grounds you. But if you live in an area of really high EMF and dirty electricity, uh, grounding is just going to make you a giant antenna for more EMF. So I say before you ground your bed, and I know this because I had mine tested. I had a grounding sheet on my bed, had uh, Brian Hoyer come over and screen my whole house, and we did a skin voltage test, the skin voltage meter, with me touching a grounding sheet in my bed, with the grounding sheet just with conductive cotton sheets in between and me not touching the metal grounding sheet. Anyway, we did every kind of configuration and because the ambient 
electrical fields and dirty electricity and all that in my neighborhood is so high, my skin voltage was way higher when I was grounded than it was when I was not grounded. So I would say with the Samina system, their grounding system is really amazing, but only if you live somewhere where you're not going to be a human antenna. So that's the only caveat I would give with the Samina system. And I also uh, am not a fan of the magnets that they use because they're just, they're not done the right way straight up based on my research into sleeping on magnets. They're not the right type. They're bi-directional. They're, it's just not how you do it. So when I get a Samina bed, if and when I do, uh, I will find a way to rig my magnetico pad under it, which is the right kind of super powerful 10 to 20 Gauss magnetic field, not pulsed again, static field that would then go under my natural, beautiful, lanolin rich, organic sheep wool, <laughs> amazing mattress from Samina. I would not do the grounding unless I lived in the woods or something, which hopefully I will soon. Uh, and that would be the ultimate setup. But for now, what I would recommend to Sarah and anyone else listening is get a mattress that's relatively toxic-free, that's super comfortable, that's going to allow you to sleep. You know, some people like a firmer mattress, some like soft. As I said, I like a firm mattress with a soft top so I can kind of feel squishy in there. Get yourself an Uller to make it cold or hot, you know, depending on where you live. Get the Magnetico sleep pads, call it a day. You know, you might drop five grand or something between a mattress and the well, maybe a little bit more, but I'd rather do that and get all that shit than just spend seven, 10, 20 grand on just the mattress. You feel me? So that's my take on that. And again, if you want to learn about the Samina stuff, check out the um, YouTube, just search the healthiest bed in the world, Luke, and you'll find the video there or go back and listen to episode 16, where I did a total deep dive, not only into the mattress, but just all things sleep. And as I said, I also did an episode on uh, the chili chili um, technology, which is the chili pad and the Uller. So you can learn about bed temperatures and all that kind of stuff. And I will be doing one soon on the Magnetico sleep pads if things go my way. So there you go. That is our second Q&A folks. And that wraps up right at an hour, which is a, I think a good a good timestamp for a solo show because I can never keep my interviews to an hour. God knows. The only time my interviews are an hour is if the guest is like, yo, I only have an hour and then we have to cut it off and then I'll oblige them. But other than that, I ain't doing it. When I talk with another human being, it might be two hours, might be three hours. Who knows? So thank you so much for joining me. If you'd like to support the show, the easiest way to do that that's totally free is just by sharing the link to this episode with a couple friends or doing a screen grab, posting it on Facebook, posting it on your Instagram stories. You can also just click on the podcast player, at least on the Apple podcast app. And um, there's a little button in the right-hand corner that allows you to share and you can email the direct link for this episode or any episode, or you can text it to someone. There's a lot of different ways you can share it. You can post it right to social using that app. So uh, share the episode. And then if you want to go the extra mile and you're like, whoa, I want to check out, I'm, I think I want to get an Uller and like sleep like a beast. Well, you can find all of the stuff that I use myself on my website. Uh, a couple of years ago, I figured out that people were always asking me like, what's the link for this? What's the link for that? Where do I get it? And I'm like, I'm like making these companies so much goddamn money, which is nice because, and I'm helping people out, sending them to the best companies to get the raddest shit. I'm like, yo, I should be getting affiliate accounts with these companies, throwing them up on my website. And then if somebody buys something, I'll give them a discount. The company will make some money and I'll get a small commission, which is awesome now, you know. 
It's not going to get me to my 1.3 million a year, but it does help to pay for the video editing and the audio editing and graphic design and running the website and all the stuff that I do in order to put this podcast out. So if you want to support, like go get yourself a discount at lukestory.com forward slash store. Check out some cool stuff on there. I've vetted everything personally. It's all my favorite stuff. It's very well and tightly curated. That's lukestory.com forward slash store. And uh, I will catch you when I catch you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to deliver you another episode next Tuesday. Thank you, Juan, and thank you all for joining me on the continuing saga of the Lifestylist podcast. And don't forget, if you'd like your very own questions answered on a future Q&A episode of the show, please join the Lifestylist podcast Facebook group. And not only can you post your questions there and have them answered on a future episode, But more than likely, one of our amazing members is going to give you an answer before I even get to it. So there's a lot of fun going on over there in the group. Please join. It's a real hoot. I'd also like to invite you to join me this Sunday for a very special episode. Uh, Something that I'm going to be playing with a little bit here is releasing episodes on which I'm a guest of other people's podcasts because... People have been doing that with my show when they're on mine. I thought, let's all just share the information here. So this Sunday is a really fun episode uh, that I recorded a couple months back, actually a few months back on the Lacey Phillips Expanded podcast. Uh, She's one of my top guests here on this show. And so she invited me on her podcast when it was relatively new. And uh, we're talking about all kinds of stuff, sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's a crazy-ass time I had over there, and that's coming out on Sunday as a super bonus show. And then we'll be back at you on Tuesday with Dave Asprey, founder of Bulletproof, where we talk about the inner game of biohacking. Let's thank our sponsors, Four Sigmatic. You can find them at foursigmatic.com forward slash the lifestylist. The code there is the lifestylist for 15% off. You can get yourself some super stylish blue blocking eyewear from Raw Optics. That's raoptics.com. Code there is also Lifestylist, and that gets you 10% off. And while you're chilling, looking super cool in your blue blocking glasses from Raw Optics, drinking your Four Sigmatic Medicinal Mushroom Elixir, you might as well just pound some Onda Wellness CBD. Really good stuff. You go to ondawellness.com, use the code Luke15 and save 15% off. I love the Onda Wellness CBD. As a matter of fact, I'm out of it. I have a couple of little capsules left. I need to hit those guys up for some of the tinctures because that stuff rocks the deep sleep. I track my sleep with my Aura Ring. And uh, when I do that uh, CBD, man, my deep sleep is off the charts. Super cool. You can find all of that stuff, by the way, at lukestory.com forward slash store, including the aforementioned aura ring that you can use to track your sleep and all kinds of other stuff that you might want to track. So that's lukestory.com forward slash store. Thanks again for joining me on this episode. I'm really looking forward to dropping some more Q&A solo shows. So as I said, keep those questions coming and I'll do my best to answer them. See you Sunday and then back again on Tuesday. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.